between my sophomore year and high school, I almost got kicked out of school. Like, um, it was a misunderstanding, and there are some <laughs> urban legends like that speak of me coming into school with a bikini, and that is a lie. That oh, wow. This is Foreign Or, a look into the lives of expats, immigrants, third culture kids, and aliens of all sorts. Each episode, I pick one Foreign Or and cross-examine that individual to determine if they're really all that different. This episode, I sit down with Sophia, a Peruvian whose life story is told in her tattoos and is impossible to fit all in one episode. My name is Sofia Bayon Hammond. I am a Peruvian living in Spain, or Europe at large, let's say. And I'm about to crush my master's in women's and gender studies. <sighs> okay, so where were you born? I was born in Lima, Peru. So cool. Uh, the capital of Peru that faces the ocean. It's a very nice city. It's beautiful. And yeah, both my parents are Peruvian. So my first, second, third years in this life I was spoken to in Spanish, for sure. Uh, that would be like my mother tongue. Mm -hmm. But I was put in the American school at four years old. So since then, my education has been in English, mm -hmm. be it like reading books in English. Of course, we also had Spanish classes, and I've also learned Latin American and Spanish literature, but yeah, like, I would learn math in English, I would learn art in English, I would learn science in English. So, and that was, like, K-12. Yeah. So Was it all the, sorry, was it all the same campus? Like, was it all the same yes. place? Wow. One big school that has the separate buildings, no? And, like, it's, conti it's continued to develop because now it even has a swimming pool. There was no swimming pool in my time. Uh... They've, they've, I, I feel like, I guess I'll have to go and see, but just hearing of like older buildings reconverted into new things, obviously, like it's kind of weird, no? Like, wait, what? The old gym? <laughs> or like, the old stage is now a commons four story uh. cafeteria building. Like, yeah. I didn't have a cafeteria. We had Manolo, who was the ice cream slash like sweet kiosk person and his wife, Rosa, uh -huh. Rosita, yeah, Rosita and Manolo, <laughs> that's where I would get food from, you know, and now there's a proper cafeteria, like, what? I couldn't imagine going to the same place, this wow, is why and to I'm the also same like, people. Yeah, we have, like, this really heartfelt bond with our fellow classmates. It's yeah. also, like, and a huge range of ages. Yes. Yeah, you, you pretty much are going through everything together. Right. Growing. <laughs> every part of growth. Holy shit. Holy <laughs> you have shit. shared it with the same people. But, okay, yeah, I have to say, and I we talked about this yesterday as well, no? Like, it is an international school, so there there is a percentage of people that are not there the 12, 14 right. years of schooling. No, there are others that like came in high school or came in middle school or left in high school or left in middle school. Yeah, and, and we had students from the US or from Europe or Asia. I remember a lot of Koreans in middle school. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you and studied a lot yeah. of the things or studied the way that I studied 
in principle, yes, like because it was the American school of right, cinema, like, right. it did follow certain U.S. guidelines, and you can graduate with a U.S. diploma. Like you can finish your schooling and and have the documentation as if you had completed school in the U.S. and in Peru. Was there never a desire from you or your parents to go to Peruvian? public school or private school like what are the options in in lima no I, complex question one because <laughs> um public like the public school situation in peru is very dire and it saddens me i wish um like because also like i had to be in a bus for like over an hour to get from my house to school wow uh, and i didn't even live that far away yeah no so okay. there's this whole system of people with uh, greater acquisitive power that can send their kids to private school but these kids are also like being on buses and transportation for so long of the day you know like i i wish there would be more of a sensation of the local mm -hmm. like we're continuing to perpetuate this lack of improvement in the public education system because as people with a greater acquisitive power or the possibility of putting your children in these uh, foreign-ish schools, no? because it's the American school, the British school, the German right. school, the Swiss school, uh, when will the public school system ever improve if it's always looked as the school for the poor people? Right, right, right. Yeah, and there's that, that's no... a reality that has to change, no? And like... I, a lot of my fellow friends, of course, are putting their children in the school that we went to. And I understand and I feel like if, if I have the money, maybe I would as well. Well, if I even live back in Peru or I, like if I choose mm -hmm. to raise children there, I don't know yet. Because, of course, it, like it has a swimming pool, it has a great library, it has like all the resources that you would want your child to have. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I feel like I'm, I'm perpetuating a problem. Like, why not live in an area I like, take my child to the nearby public school and try to complement whatever is lacking from the public school at home. You know? mm. But then, yeah, like in the end, like maybe these reasonings of my own are in the end detrimental to my child. You know? Yeah, and it ends up weird. Yeah, weird we know what we are doing. <laughs> and behind. You know, yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like, probably if you have access to going to the States, that's your best bet for having your child succeed. Even if everybody's Peruvian. Even if you live there, even if you work there and you every every other part of your life is there, the education itself is so non-Peruvian. The Spanish classes didn't... Like, we did have, like, at least an hour a day of some Spanish and Peruvian history geography. Okay. But, yeah, I was going to say, like, we started this whole vein of thought because of the English, no? Yeah. The grasp I have on English that I can consider it as native as my mother tongue definitely comes from being there, no? Like... And the fact that I can express myself and that, for example, in this master, I have the option of turning my thesis in in Spanish or English, and I much rather do it in English. Mm -hmm. I feel I can write more directly, I read more in English, I watch much more television or YouTube videos or Netflix in English. And, and when I 
when I search for Spanish language resources, you know, Spanish alternatives to something I love in English, it's really hard to find. And I think this American system, British system, and the dominance of English around the world, especially in academia, perpetuates this issue that there's just not the resources in other languages. Maybe that's like a really dumb, obviously, thing no, no, to no, say. No, no. But I, don't, I don't think it's dumb to say it. I think it needs to be stated because I think we can be oblivious to the fact of that, you know? Like, and my mother is more, like, I am barely completing a master program, but for example, my mother is more of an academia. She has a doctorate and whatnot. Oh. And, uh, but her English is not great, no? So in order, but, and even in like, the global south or the countries where the where English is not the native language, in order to rise in academia, you need to be published in the academic journals. Where in what language and where are the majority of the journals or where are the ones that rank even higher? Because she shared with me that she had published in an academic journal in Colombia. And then I was telling her, like, oh, you should look at the... I'm in a university in Spain. Look at the journals we have in the university in Spain. And she mentioned, like, these numbers. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, like, there are ranks. And guess who has the greater ranks? The English ones, no? So, yeah, I mean, like, here I think we're switching a little bit from what I was saying of, like, yeah, my school definitely provided me this very enriching experience and the possibility of like transversing this world in English as if I was a native English speaker. But yeah, there needs to be a greater consideration of languages in, in general and, and maybe trying to reduce the hierarchy that currently exists. There's definitely knowledge being missed out on in the sense of like not being able to read things or let people express themselves academically in other languages. No? Absolutely, absolutely. And your parents, they went to school in a different kind of private system? They both went to religious okay. private school. So did my parents. So my mother... Well, first of all, I'm an only child. Too, okay. You know? So there was... In the considerations of where to put me in school, it was like some of my older cousins were in the British school. Okay. Uh, my father was working in the American school, where, where I ended up. And I, I remember vividly taking the test for like one of the religious Catholic schools. I do too! <laughs> I, I did that too! The test. Um, where I do also have friends, no? So that would have been an okay alternative, although I'm pretty happy where I ended up. Um, later in life, in my sophomore year in high school, I almost got kicked out of school. Like, I had a little like, incident. Um, it was a misunderstanding, and there are some <laughs> urban legends like that speak of me coming into, a bi coming into school with a bikini, and that is a lie that oh, did wow. not happen. Um, Kind of fun. But in that, uh, there was a two-week period where I was suspended while the board deliberated what they were going to do with me, and there was a possibility that I could be expelled. Holy and shit. Holy shit. this was like two years before I had to complete high school. 
I looked at the possibility of, like, I was kind of in, uh, interested in the natural sciences and there was a college that pro like had just opened this program of, like, come in two years before college okay. and finish high school and start your career. Cool. So that was an option. And there was also an Italian school hmm. and their high school, it was split, no? So their high school campus was actually pretty close to my school. So I know that also my parents in their concern of like, where might she finish school since she might not be able to finish in the original school. Aww. It was also considered that. And now, and we haven't mentioned this in the podcast, no, but I, I have an Italian passport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't speak Italian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so maybe like, maybe doing those two additional years of high school at the Italian school would have proved of use. But all of those ranked above going to like public Peruvian Definitely. school. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So they, so I didn't know anything about your uh, primary high school education. I did know that you went to Notre Dame. And so for me, it would be if I was to go to that school, I would go to Target, get a bunch of uh, stuff from my dorm, you know, make a list with my roommates, pack the car and drive down. But for you, were you 18? Were you, did you graduate? So you graduated at the same time. And so how did you like rack up to campus? I w I'm an only child of very hyperprotective parents. Yeah. So everything was kind of like, oh, we have to make sure beforehand, no? So I think we got like some advertisement of ordering the sheets. Yeah. And the, no, all the linens. Right, like right, you, towels. Yeah, you can just order them and they will be arriving at your dorm and they're the size of the... So I had that, which was like the boringest bedding I've ever had, just like green. <laughs> I was like, I gotta go choose at the store now. Like, it's better to just have it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I was traveling with my parents, and now I know how to pack and and think better about the things I want with me. Yeah. But at that point, it was like, no, you. At that, that was like, was it twenty years ago? Almost twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah. Nineteen years ago, you could travel with two bags of thirty-five pounds. Each right on right. an international flight right so three people mom dad and me six bags six bags I allowed them one <laughs> and five bags of 35 pounds was my random stuff from Peru I didn't even know what I took just like an excess of clothing I, and hopefully and like a heavy jacket too. I did not take a heavy jacket okay. I ended up buying the heavy jacket there <laughs> and I remember like yeah I did I did not take the heavy jacket. I don't even know. I don't think I even took like any relatively smart jacket. <laughs> and I arrived and and I heard like the winter, the winter is bad. And I had spent a winter traveling in Spain like <laughs> 10 years earlier. And I'm like, I know Northern Hemisphere winters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know <laughs> Midwestern. Girl. Winters. Woo! Actually, what I did take, and I think I we did come brace for... The, like, yeah, I ended up buying a, a really big coat at some Ross or yeah, Marshall's yeah, yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. Um, very poofy and big. Uh, and I did have, like, custom-made alpaca wool pants. Oh, dope. Like, in Lima that you In brought. Lima that I dope. brought with me. That's... 
And and we also had like pantyhose that are woolen yeah, pantyhose. Yeah, for sure. So layers. I think like my layers, 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 layers. So the first winter, the first year, I I would joke that I was like a little tamale <laughs> square <gasps> because of the freshman fifteen and because of all the layers. Freshman fifteen, which ended up being freshman twenty five. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, but but I mean. Again, because I went to school in the Midwest, so my school was like a six-hour drive-ish. And I had to pack for a similar climate, so I kind of knew what was up, even though it was colder. And I only had a trimester to pack for because we were going for 10 weeks was the amount of the term. And then winter break was a month. So whatever I needed, I really only brought for the spring Um I guess we had the same dorm and I left some stuff there. But technically, if I needed anything else, I could just drive back home and get it over winter break. So I was thinking for 10 weeks. No, no, I I planned for a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly taking the five packs. Now you're also making me think, I didn't even have a cell phone. I don't think yeah. I had a cell phone until maybe sophomore year. Maybe. Um so came, you came to campus earlier yes, because international because internet, students... We need more days to get settled absolutely. in. Our parents are also like tended to and the university also organizes like things for them. Um, because they're leaving you there for a year. Like that's the plan. Yeah, at least a at year. At least a year. Well, I, I think I did go home that Christmas, so six months. But yeah, after being... So on top of me, of course, it was going to be... And had you ever spent six months away from your parents or from Lima? No, I don't think so. No. Um, I went to visit a friend who was at NYU okay. for our fall break, which was that first October. Okay. And so, yeah, so I arrived now, like, late August. So I guess, like, it, it was, like, over a month of being in South Bend, Indiana. Yes. In the middle of nowhere and cornfields uh-huh. and thinking like what am I like what have I done no I came from a vibrant capital city yep. and now I'm like here that's what I thought and I go to visit my friend in New York we have a very fun time but then I realized like I'm really doing well in my little town where I can pay five dollars tops for anything as opposed to New York where five dollars will be the minimum if not more for anything, and I was gonna say beer, but I was underage. Yeah, but. yeah. I, well, I also. I <laughs> but also, yeah, I was drinking. Okay. <laughs> because Notre Dame is a Je- Jesuit school, Catholic. Catholic. Catholic school. Uh, Holy Cross, CSC Holy Cross is the order of. So you were required to take uh, any kind of uh, religion theology. classes. Okay, but not religion. But you weren't supposed to go to mass. That no. was not a requirement. It was not a requirement, but it happened. Yeah, that like day. there is mass right now. Right, there right. is mass right now. There is a mass starting right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you need a mass, you have one. And you did? Did you do all four years on campus in Indiana? Did you ever travel? I, I did go abroad. Okay. I went for a semester abroad in London. And then it's funny because I think as international students in the U.S., you also get asked, like, 
why are you going abroad if you're already going abroad? Mm -hmm. But it's a very different experience to have been in London with my fellow Notre Dame students as opposed to the normal campus life. Because the London program in Notre Dame as opposed to different programs for abroad studies that in instead of having a link to a foreign university and putting the students in a foreign Mm-hmm. In the local university, Notre Dame has its own building wow. for dorms and for school and wow. hires the teachers. So you're kind of like in this group bubble. of... In this bubble, yes. Um, but I was uh, put in touch with other Peruvians in London. So I, I had my way out of the bubble. I wasn't in the bubble all the time. And yeah, that was amazing. I remember... No, you kind of go through life thinking like, oh my God, that was like my best experience in life ever. So first it had been not like coming to the US for sure was like such a life changing experience. That was my best experience ever. But then London happened and like, oh my God, London is the best time of my life. And yeah, it was London. Yeah, for in real. 2005, I went to Life 8. Like there was this very famous concert called Life 8, A-I-D back in the 80s ah okay and they did the yeah they did a reissue of it in ah. in 2005 and there were these events i saw nelson mandela like live in trafalgar square wow this concert had like all like that was the last time pink floyd played together ah. like things were fucking happening in london in 2005 when i was there for it so that had been like top of mind best experience of life for a while until in 2009 I got the opportunity to go to China Hmm. and then that blew my mind no like wait about your experience as an aldermanic intern because we were both aldermanic interns around the same time in our university um okay a little explanation i think for student for students for listeners my major was not exactly international relations but it was political science and as a foreigner in the u.s with a visa a student visa I could extend that permission to be in the U.S. for a year if I was working and I had this permit called the OPT, but that it's especially as it's like operational practicum training okay. permit, but that means that I have to be working in my major. Ah, okay. Okay. So it's not that I could have just gone off and gotten a job in McDonald's, which right. we will talk about later. <laughs> But I needed something like that was political. And I got an interview at the City Hall of Chicago with uh, the alderman of the 25th Ward. The 25th Ward in Chicago encompasses Pilsen and Little Italy and a Latin American, mostly Mexican community, Italian community and Chinese community. Mm -hmm. Chinatown is also in that ward. 
so it was like the summer. I learned about three one one. Yeah. I didn't know, like which that was eye opening. I'm like, what? So you don't only have nine one one for emergencies, but people can call three one one for anything like for said, everything, everything else. So if you're bleeding out of your face, you call nine one one. But if you're not basically hurt, you call three one one. Like if you have any kind of dispute with your neighbors or you see like some kind of vermin in your trash you call 311 and so the the operators on that side deal with so much stuff and so I was one of the operators because if the call was in our ward it would be routed to us and I remember taking calls about awning permits block parties oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, not so much vermin but um hydrants Fire oh, hydrants. Yeah, girl. Summer. That's summer a time. Hell like yeah. So many fire hydrants. Play in the <laughs> open fire hydrants in the dirty ass street. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I helped organize a few events, fundraisers for the elder man or like community events. We had the dragon boat races <gasps> because it was Chinatown and oh. we had our own boat and I raced in, in the, the fire hydrant river down the street. <laughs> Which would be no. kind of great. There is actually like some stream of the Chicago River that goes through Pilsen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Because that's one of the reasons why it was like such a factory-based... Yeah, I, I would like to look at a picture of Pilsen from above ground right now just to see the shape. But mm-hmm. it's crazy how it's like, it's kind of close to the loop, but not so. And that it has Latin, Chinese, Italian... White socks, like yeah, everything yeah. is in that neighborhood. Uh, okay, so we both did Alderman internship, and we both have pictures with the mayor daily. Mayor daily. Because the dailies were mayors for decades, which also says a lot about Chicago politics. Um, so you got that experience, and that mean meant you could stay in the states for a little longer. Yeah. I didn't know the challenges international students faced you still had to worry about what was next in terms of visa. How to legally stay, no? So, like, the smart kids, (laughs) the smart international students start applying for work right after starting senior year. Absolutely. You're already applying to all these financial firms, the big four, accounting, blah, blah, blah. Because those are the ones that will pay for your H-1 visa work visa proceedings okay and you won't even have like the opt thing of it being in your area blah you will barely have to even worry about that because it's kind of like if you start and you're hired this early on one you get signing bonuses and two like yeah all these firms have like dedicated lawyers to make sure to handle and make sure that you're always legally yeah as opposed to me, who I never know, I never know what I'm gonna do next. So, yeah. May of 2006, I graduated. My parents came for the graduation, and I spent like two weeks in Chicago, and that's when I got this interview through contacts okay. that provided for a job that I could claim was valid for the OPT. I had already processed having the OPT card, mm-hmm. but I still needed like to have that employment, and that way. I went home for a month in July, but then I was able to fly back and show I have this car, I have this visa, I have this work, and I can enter. I even had a problem with American Airlines 
that more like the morning of my flight they wouldn't let me board the flight i actually had to board it the next day you're kidding because this is unknown no like this, the, the, this is very specific i've never heard of it so so for the peruvian american airline staff like they wouldn't understand it and they rather not risk because the u.s charges the airline for every person that doesn't pass through immigration right. and that they have to send back so rather than take the risk they were like no we don't let you board and i'm like what fun times at the airport <laughs> <laughs> then i had like a temp job that was not really in, in politics it was um i worked for a clinical trials okay. firm but yeah it was like what like for less than six months that I worked for them while I was also applying for a position with Chicago Public Schools ah, but in okay. the administrative area of Chicago Public okay. Schools so then I got the Chicago Public Schools job and you know like how you always look back and think like kind of like those books of choose your own story yeah right. so it's right. like I chose the story of like leaving this private business health-related work, moving on to the public school system, which was definitely very interesting too. But six months later, when my visa and OPT were running out, they couldn't, they do, anything. couldn't do anything. Yeah. There was nothing to do. Yeah. No. So again, hindsight is twenty twenty because sometimes I look back to the time period and I think, had I kept the other job, maybe had I stayed in the private sector, right? the visa would have flowed or had I made the decision of like, okay, I'll stay in Chicago mm. no matter what. Um, but then I have a friend that tells me like, Sophia, you, you complained. <laughs> I think you were ready to go back home then. Um, and it's true because I remember being tired of being an alien as yeah. well. Like, and we had this conversation yesterday with the Mexicans who are Colombian and Mexican, uh -huh. but just like going into the U.S. airports as an international of any sort, you get treated pretty badly especially, as immigration, especially, especially Miami, Miami, Miami. But it's true, no? So it's like I'm filling out this form that says that I'm an alien. I have to justify myself like threefold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess like I after five years of going in and out of the states for work and for studies twice or more times a year it does drain you and it does feel like i don't want to be an alien here anymore no so i i went back to peru and i ended up working for a social responsibility auditing firm and two years after returning from the u.s still living with my parents, mm -hmm. still being like a recent college grad mm -hmm. and thinking like, I need to leave Peru again. No, like it was so great to be abroad for my early adulthood. I need it again. Like I'm it's like, it's not that I don't have fun in Peru or that I don't love my friends and family, mm -hmm. but I need more. Mm -hmm. And I know some French, so I was thinking like, oh, I want to go to Africa, I should take this opportunity. So I went to French school and tried to like strengthen my French mm. and life always throwing the curveball at you. I got the opportunity and offer to be an intern at the Peruvian embassy in Beijing. Ah, So it was like 
okay, you know, like, let's put French speaking Africa on hold and let's go to China and check this out, no? And I quit my job. My parents were like, what? <laughs> my father was like, you should just ask for a leave of absence and don't quit your job. Even my boss was like, are you sure you want to quit? Like, you can still work remotely. And I was like, no, like, why would I commit to a job that I've grown tired of? Like, no, I'm sure. I don't know what in me made me so trusting of like, I am sure I'll figure it out once I'm there. It's China. There must be employment, even if I don't speak the language. And I did take like three Chinese classes before I went. So I knew how to barter. Okay. I eventually learned also how to direct a taxi. Nice. And of course, once the, and the numbers, no? But yeah. And so it was like four months that I worked at the Peruvian embassy as an intern, like helping in events, helping in research. And this was like right before the Expo World's Fair in Shanghai. So then I got a job in the Peru Pavilion, which was 10 months, which we would need a whole other podcast just to talk about the World's Fair oh and goodness. foreign ornness of course. in that. Of course. Because every time I would take, like, flying back into Beijing, just, like, the ride into the city, mm -hmm. or Shanghai, the elevated avenues, like, mm -hmm. and I bet you, you put me back there again, and I will be just, like, Mm -hmm. No, like open mouth, mm -hmm. looking out the window because it's just everything is so big, mm -hmm. tall, wide, mm -hmm. lights, mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I worked at the fair and then I went backpacking because like even before, even before leaving Peru, in my mind it was like, okay, I'm going for this internship and I'll figure out life, but I have to go backpacking in Southeast Asia. <laughs> I must reach Thailand. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two of Sophia's story when, somewhere in Southeast Asia, she's confronted with death and Australians.